It is your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Hope you guys are having a good one out there as well. Really good show coming up. Bobby Nightingale Jr. from the Star Tribune joins me here in just a few minutes to talk about the Twins. He's our Twins beat writer, one of our two Twins beat writers, I should say. He and Phil Miller doing an excellent job on that team, especially last year. It got interesting. Bobby joined us kind of in the middle of last season and a good time to come in. He's caught up to speed and then some. Now he's covering the off season with uh, with a lot of uh, intensity. And, you know, he joins me to talk about the Jorge Polanco trade that happened earlier this week, but also kind of what's to come. What what else is in the, uh, the the future for this team for this for this offseason? What else do they need to add? What was kind of the thought process behind the Polanco trade? Is Max Kepler next, or do they want to hang on to him because they don't have all the depth in the world in the outfield? Things like that. So we'll get into that with Bobby here in just a little bit. I'll have some Twins thoughts at the end of the show as well. Got some Lynx stuff, some big moves from the Lynx um, recently, last couple days. Got to get to that here in just a little bit. Go for women's basketball, having a tough time without Mara Braun. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. First, though, what I miss. So Wednesday was, what, 55, something like that, 55 degrees in the Twin Cities. I went for a run outside in the middle of the day, found a 30 minutes to sneak away, went for a run in shorts and was comfortable. A run in shorts in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, on the last day of January. I don't believe I've ever done that. If I did, I've forgotten about it. Or when I did it, um, you could have questioned my judgment. You could not question that. Yesterday, I saw tons of people out just like, any, anybody who could get outside was trying to get outside, get that, you know, get that good day. And we're going to have some other good ones coming up, but nothing quite like this. 55, something like that in the Twin Cities. It was amazing. It was also kind of like you felt guilty about it. You can never quite enjoy those days, especially in January, especially right now, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you know it's going to get cold again at some point, right? Like it's not the end of winter. Even if we got a bunch of nice days coming up, you know winter's not over yet. It's going to get cold again another time or two, even though we've had an amazingly warm winter. And the other piece of it is, hey, you know, you look at it and you, you see a day like that that's so abnormal, that's setting records, and you're like, eh, climate change. Can, like, can you can you fully enjoy something when you know there could be it, not in individual moments, but you ha- you add enough of them up, and you're like, ah, man, this is you. You start to understand the potential impact of that, and you're like, ah, do I really? Can I really enjoy this as it's happening? And you know, I think in the moment you can. So you, you kind of suspend your your disbelief, you suspend your your skepticism, whatever it is, and you can you know find yourself kind of lose yourself in the moment. But those things kind of are in the back of your mind, especially if you're in Minnesota. And you can never feel like you have anything especially all that nice. Something else is always around the corner. That's kind of how I felt watching the Wolves game on uh, on Wednesday night as well. So they beat Dallas 121 to 87 and if you knew nothing else about that game, you would just think, "Hey, what a great win for the Wolves." Right? Like they, they just routed a good team in the West, a contender. Just enjoy that. Just enjoy that moment. But dig into it a little bit and you find, hey, ah, they struggle a little bit in the first half. But the bigger issue in celebrating too hard is that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving didn't play for Dallas. That was, that was the, that, that's the kind of realization that, hey, 
This this is not the Dallas team that you're going to get at some point in the playoffs if they manage to play Dallas in the playoffs at some point, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. You could find yourself in a first or even a second round matchup with Dallas, and you kind of understand that, hey, um, they kind of messed around in the first half again, didn't really put this team away until the second half. But at the end of the day, it's a 34-point win. The Wolves are still the top team in the Western Conference, so... I don't know. I just I had this strange um, kind of parallel between those two experiences yesterday. The Wolves in a route, the day amazing outside. You know, the Wolves got a big game from Towns. Um, everybody else contributed. Conley was back. That was nice to see. He kind of got them going in the right direction. Ant didn't have a big game, but he didn't need to. Everybody just kind of contributed. Dallas, you know, was down to, like I said, you know, not their best players. And they, they've only played once at full strength all year. The Wolves beat the beat the Mavericks three times when they weren't at full strength. The one time Dallas had Luka and Kyrie, they beat the Wolves. So keep that in the back of your mind. I'm sure Dallas isn't terribly worried about where things are going, especially when they, when they don't have these two players. But keep that in the back of your mind if these two teams meet down the road somewhere because this is not the real Mavericks team. And I just don't worry about it, but just say, hey, you know, like like a 55-degree day in January, this did not tell you all you need to know about what is yet to come. Now, speaking of what's yet to come for the Wolves, all-star selections, we should find out about those soon. Anthony Edwards should be in, but we don't know that for sure. Everybody else, we should find out Thursday night when reserves are selected. No Wolves are starters. Chris Hine wondering if they can get three guys in. That seems far-fetched. I don't think he's really asking if they're going to get all three, but just making the case that, hey, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert are worthy of consideration this season. Chris Finch, head coach of the Wolves, um, echoing that kind of idea. And also Chris Finch could get an honor, too. If the Wolves are leading the West or are second behind Denver, which sent the staff to the All-Star game last year, Finch and his staff will coach the Western Conference in the All-Star game. That's an honor, right? Like, I don't think this has happened. This certainly hasn't happened, I think, since Flip was here and got to do it one year. Um, this is this is something where this is different territory for the Wolves, right? This is different territory, talking about multiple All-Stars, talking about the coach, maybe coaching the All-Star team. It's ultimately, like, that's not, the, that's not, not what you play for. That's not certainly the goal at the end of the season, but it is a distinction along the way. So I'll be I'll be interested to see. I think Ant gets in for sure. I'd like to see one more guy get in. And if I think it's going to be somebody, it's probably Gobert just because of the defensive impact he's had for this team, for the you know, one of the best defensive teams in the league. He kind of sets the tone for that, especially on the you know, especially on the inside. Jaden McDaniels does a lot of work on the outside. The whole team defense has been excellent this year. But if you're looking for one kind of symbol, one sort of driver for all that. It's Ben Gobert, a tremendous bounce back year from being merely okay a year ago. Will he get a nod? Would Towns maybe get it? He's having a good year too, very efficient. Um, He's been pretty good on defense too. I just think he's maybe the third of three and it's going to be hard to get three in. But we'll find out Thursday night. And like I said, uncharted territory for the Wolves to be talking about all of these accolades or at least uncharted for a very long time. Same target center court, different team. The Lynx made two pretty important moves on Wednesday. One a trade, one a free agent signing. Both of them bringing in veteran point guards, which should be a key to this season. If you remember, 
Kent Youngblood was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about free agency, talking about what this team needs to do, saying they might not be major players, and I wouldn't consider these to be like earth-shattering moves. They wouldn't be like big, big, big players and some of the bigger names, but then an upgrade at point guard might be a thing that they're looking to do. Well, they made two upgrades in one day, signing uh, Courtney Williams, a veteran free agent point guard, and adding Natisha Heideman uh, in a trade with Connecticut. They had to give up Tiffany Mitchell and a second-round pick to get Heidemann, so you have to give up something to get something, like our old friend Tim Brewster would say. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a trade that's worth making, especially if you can add at point guard. That was a struggle all last year. This didn't have the depth, didn't have the quality there. You get Williams, um, you know, probably coming off her best year in the WNBA. She's 29 years old, uh, had 6.3 assists per game last season. She's averaged 12 points, four rebounds, three and a half assists in her eight-year career. So that's a pretty good that's a pretty good get. That's someone who's going to help them, uh, help them a lot, help them in a lot of ways that they have not been good lately. And then obviously uh, Heidemann played at Marquette. Career averages of 7.9 points, 2.4 assists. She can make the three. So just some good good quality players they seem to have brought in right now. You know, good, good, uh, you know, good upgrades in the areas that you need them. That's all you can really ask for in, a, in an offseason. We'll get to that a little bit more, too, with the Twins. Are they able to make the upgrades in the spots they need to upgrade? The Lynx seem to be doing it, not splashy, but in ways that will certainly benefit them the rest of this season. Quickly, go for women's basketball. Struggled again without Mara Braun. First game fully without Braun. They lose at home to a good Penn State team. 80-64 to is the final there. Might not have won that game anyway, even with even if Braun was healthy, because Penn State's been awfully good in the last few weeks. But a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to come. Braun's not going to be here. Um, just, you know, the injured foot from the other day, that's going to linger for the rest of the season. So, Gophers trying to figure that out. Like I said, Kent was on a couple weeks ago talking about how they were, you know, at that point, they were looking like they could be a tournament team, not even just on the bubble, but, you know, a team that was firmly in that conversation, firmly in that mix. Now, um, three losses in a row, losing your star player. The season has taken a turn. I'll be interested to see if Don Plitzel-White can kind of right the ship, make sure this season isn't just you know kind of a struggle to the finish, get something out of it, start building again towards next season. And this season, you know, it's not over, but see if they can keep building towards this season and beyond. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's bring in Star Tribune Twins beat writer Bobby Nightingale right now. Bobby, it's been a it was a quiet off season until a couple days ago when the Twins made the Jorge Polanco trade with the Mariners. He was obviously someone that had been rumored and more than just that, you know, talked about realistically as someone who might get dealt. And then he was, um, you know, your, your thoughts on the deal, what they were able to, to get back for, for him and, and where they kind of go from here, from, from that perspective. Yeah. I don't think it should come as a surprise that they traded Jorge Polanco, just based off the fact that they had infield depth to kind of give away, 
Um, you know, you have Edward Julian who moved Jorge Polanco to third base and designated hitter at times last year. Um, you still have Kyle Farmer in the organization. Um, you know, you have the left side with Carlos Correa and Royce Lewis as your everyday guys. And then you have a ton of guys for the right. I mean, Willie Castro could play second base if you need him to. Austin Martin's coming up. Uh, Brooks Lee's coming up. So, I mean, they, second base, um, you know, they, they had some options there. And so I th- it made sense that Jorge Polanco, um, the trade value has, he could be a free agent after next season. Um, there's another club option in his contract. So a team could have two years for him, which the Mariners, Mariners I'm sure they'll, they're hoping they get two years out of him. Um, so it, it just made a lot of sense from that level. Um, and, and what they got, I mean, it it sounded like early on when, and this is this has been, trade talks have been going on all offseason. Um, Derek Falvey said, you know, mainly prospects in return were what teams were offering, including the Mariners. Um, and, and what one of the reasons the deal didn't get done until uh, until Monday was just the fact that they wanted major league help, uh, particularly major league pitching. So, um, you know, once Anthony Discofani and Justin Topa, the reliever, um, got added to the mix as well, that's when it became a deal that the Twins wanted to make because um, not only does it add some pitching depth, but it also gives them a couple prospects to work with um, the, the, that gives them excitement in terms of, okay, now you have something for 2024 and you have something for the future. Um, but obviously, Jorge Polanco, I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen some people write it. I mean, just I, I think it'll be underrated how much he's missed um, in terms of having a switch hitting infielder with power like that. I know he's dealt with injuries the past couple of years, but um, just taking that out of the lineup, um, you, you, I don't think you really noticed it till he was gone. And even last year when he was hurt, you, you could tell there was a bit of a difference um, when he got back second half of the year and the offense started clicking how much of a difference he made. Yeah, I agree with that. And he was, you know, in terms of like postseason at bats, he was one of the guys that seemed to be taking good at bats, you know, for for the most part. And you know, those were maybe in short supply. But you have to give up something to to get something, and they need pitching help. So to get you know a bullpen guy and a possible you know back end starter plus a top five prospect in the Mariners organization and another arm too, a, a younger one feels like a pretty good deal for them in terms of what they need right now. Now, where do, where do we think both of those pitchers fit in in terms of kind of, you know, pecking order of bullpen and starting? Yeah, Di Scafani, I mean, I covered him with the Reds. He's, he's, a, he's a fine back-end option when he's healthy. He hasn't really been healthy the last couple of years, like ended last season with, a, I think it was a flexor strain in his, arm, in his elbow, which is always a big red flag in terms of, um, you know, sometimes that leads to Tommy John surgery, so... Um, but it sounds like Derek Felby said he had talked to Discofani and he, he's ready and excited for spring training. So um, maybe he has the injury history past him. But I, I think he kind of slots in as your number five to to start out or at least competition with Louis Varland. Um, say Louis Varland has a great camp as a starting pitcher, then, you know, maybe you have to do something different with Discofani where he's like a swing man. But um, they didn't really have a six starter, uh, you know, a proven one like you had. Um, the five, like Pablo Lopez, Chris Paddock, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Louis Varlin, uh, Discofani is the sixth in the mix. But behind that, I mean, it was really like um, Simeon Wood Richardson, um, Brent Hendrick. I mean, I, I think there's a, a lot of question marks and you, you're going to need more than five starters in a season. You probably are going to need more than six or seven. So, um, you know, this was a deal to kind of increase that pot. Um, and, and then Justin Topa, he, he had a great year as a reliever. He's He's been Basically, he's had one great major league season. Um, he only allowed four homers and 60 innings last year. Obviously, I think there's going to be a little bit of regression there. Um, but, you know, he, he pitched in high leverage situations. He was like their seventh or eighth inning guy. And 
Um, you look at the Twins, you lose Emilio Pagan. Maybe he can fill that type of role where, um, you know, you're still going to have your Duran. You're still going to have Griffin Jacks. You're still going to have Brock Stewart and Caleb Thielbar in the back end. Uh, but maybe this is a better option for your seventh inning um, or sixth or seventh inning. You know, kind of like Josh Domont, the free agent reliever they signed earlier in the offseason. Um, he has experience in the back end. If things click, it, it makes sense where, um, you know, you could see them sixth, seventh inning roles. You mentioned the starting pitching in order, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but you said Lopez, Paddock, Ryan, Ober, and then Disclafani or Varland. Where where do we think of, is Chris Paddock who they're thinking of as kind of their number two, or is that just you listing all the starters? How do, or Joe Ryan, where, where does this all go? Because, you know, the big thing I've been thinking this offseason is, you lose Sonny Gray, you kind of lose that one-two punch that they had going into the postseason. So where you're not going to, you know, it's not going to be a one-for-one one replacement with with Sonny Gray. He was a very good pitcher last year. Cy Young votes, um, you know, great ERA, even though he he had a poor start at the end of the postseason. How how do you think they kind of slot in their pitchers right now, or how are they thinking of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think Joe Ryan. I mean, what he showed in the first half, if he if he would have you know, kept that up for the entire season. I think he'd obviously be your number two. Um, but there's some some concerns with the way he finished last year, the home runs he gave up. Um, Bailey Ober, now that he doesn't really have an innings restriction, maybe he can slot into the number two. Um, but the reason I mentioned Chris Paddock second, I, I just talking to everyone in like the Twins organization, they almost talked to him like, I wasn't here when they traded for Pablo Lopez, but the way they talk about Pablo Lopez after, um, you know, he kind of turned into the team's ace is kind of how they're talking about Chris Paddock in terms of like, this is the guy we traded for. You saw it a little bit in the relief role. You saw his velocity tick up. You saw his off-speed pitches tick up. Obviously, it'll change a little bit when he's in a starter's role. He's not going to be able to throw as hard, you know, for six innings that he did for, you know, one or two. Um, but you can tell there's a lot of excitement in terms of what he could do. Now, I, there's question marks. I mean, he has the injury history. Um, I think he's only pitched above 110 innings once in his career. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be asking a lot from him. Um, but I do think he's the guy that they're looking at as like, don't sleep on him. He can take the next level, uh, take the next level. Um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, when you said there's no replacing Sonny Gray, he got second in Cy Young. There's not one guy who you can point to besides maybe Pablo Lopez and say, you know, he's going to get Cy Young votes. Um, but I, I do think if Joe Ryan could put it together, if Bailey Ober stays healthy um, and, and what they think Chris Paddock could turn into, um, they feel like they can make that up as, as, a, as a group. Now, the other half of the, hey, they might trade this longtime player talk this offseason was Max Kepler. You've said he has maybe even more trade interest, more trade value than Polanco to a certain degree, just because, you know, there's been a lot of production. He, he's a very good fielder in addition to having a really good offensive uh, second half of the season last year. Where are we at with that? Because, you know, before we started talking, you were kind of reminding me, hey, might not want to trade Max Kepler if you don't feel great about the rest of your outfield depth, because that's a guy who could still help you win in 2024. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like they, like when I talked about Polanco, just all the options behind him. You had Edward Julian, who's now your incumbent second baseman. You had Austin Martin, Brooks Lee, Kyle Farmer, guys who can um, fill into, you know, those type of roles. Max Kepler, if you trade him, obviously depends what you get back, but you don't really have another outfielder that's ready to step in. Um, you know, you have Byron Buxton as your penciled as your starting center fielder. You have Matt Walner in left field. Um, if you lose, you know, uh, a Max Kepler, then you have Trevor Larnick in AAA. And then besides that, it's, you know, a, a really a lot of unproven uh, big question marks. So, I mean, I, I think that's 
where they, they don't have the outfield depth right now that they do in the infield. Now you now they have guys that like Willie Castro can play the outfield. Austin Martin's going to play some center field this year. Um, so, I mean, they have, I, I wouldn't say like outfields is the biggest blinking light, but they don't have impact outfielders um, like Max Kepler, where if he pits like he did in the second half, that's 25 homers and quality defense. Um, and at, at free agency, you can't make that up. I mean, it's been kind of a weak free agent class. Um, and the guys that have signed, I mean, like Teoscar Hernandez has already signed with the Dodgers for on a one-year deal. Um, there haven't been many corner outfielders that have gotten multi-year deals. So I don't think there's a lot of free agents out there. So that's why you get more trade interest for a Max Kepler. Um, but I, I just don't see where the Twins would be able to make that up. We've heard Byron Buxton is going to be healthy. We've heard that a lot of times. Why Why is there more confidence or why should there be more confidence this year than in past years? And I, I know full well that you weren't here for a lot of that. So tell me tell me what the status is of Buxton right now. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a question that's always going to keep getting asked, especially, I mean, he hasn't played center field in over a year. Um, but so far, there's been no setbacks this offseason. Everything they've asked him to do, he's been able to do pain-free. Um, hasn't even really had days where it's like, ah, oh, my knee's feeling some soreness. Let's not push it this day. Um, from all accounts, it just sounds like everything's been as normal. He can hit fine. He's been running fine. Um, obviously, this is in a very controlled setting. This is not on the field. He's not chasing fly balls. He's not running to the fence. Um, but I, I think that's where the encouragement comes from. It's just saying, one, he hasn't had the setbacks. And two, I mean, it's part of their plan. I mean, last year they went, went into spring training with kind of the crutch. You're going to DH and we'll get to center field eventually. Um, now, I mean, just seeing how difficult of a season he had at DH, it's turned into you're our center fielder. If you're hurt and can't play center, um, you know, maybe that means that maybe that requires a, a stint on the injured list versus just saying you're our DH full time. Royal Credit Union's smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Enjoy financial freedom when you open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking. Insured by NCUA. What else is on the to-do list then for the offseason? They, they got the Polanco deal done. They got some stuff in return. What else do you think they're still shopping for or looking for to, you know, to make themselves better? Yeah, I mean, one of the underrated parts of the Polanco deal was they, they got $8 million in return. Some of that will go to Anthony DiScofani's uh, salary. Um, but really, they, I, I think they came out with a, a little bit over $5 million. Um, and Derek Fowley said they intend to reallocate that back into free agency. Uh, so what does that look like? I think it'll be a right-handed hitting, probably an outfielder. That'd be my guess. Um, you know, Matt Walner split time in left field. He, he wouldn't hit against left-handed pitching. Um, Jordan Luplo. It had that role. Andrew Stevenson was there for a little bit. Um, and then you also had Donovan Solano in the infield. So I, th- I think a right-handed hitter, definitely um, probably an outfielder, at least someone who can help out in the outfield. But um, it's, it sounded like position players is now the focus. I, th- I think they'll add pitching in terms of like non-roster deals, maybe small uh, one-year contracts. I, I don't expect anything large, even with the hitter. I don't expect it to be, you know, a $15 million contract somewhere. Um, but I, I could see someone signing a one-year deal and um, getting a chance to get a lot of at-bats. Is this a function of the market? Is it a function of, you know, limited resources in part because of the unknowns of the TV stuff? Is this a response to, hey, they kind of spent big last year with the Lopez extension and the Correa money, and now it's kind of to peel back a little bit? What What do you think is limiting the maybe the the ba- the budget or the the ability to go out and get an, an even bigger impact? player to kind of balance out a roster that, you know, 
was a, a team that was pretty good last year and won and won a playoff series for the first time in a while. Yeah, I mean, I think payrolls payrolls being scaled back. I think TV's kind of like the scapegoat right now. But I also think, I mean, they they had a record payroll last year. I mean, they carried a, above 150 million. Um, and, and if you have a record payroll, it's either going to stay at that level forever or um, you're going to scale back at some point. And I think they're at the point where they're, they're scaling back. And, and part of it too is just they have younger guys, you know, to fill in. Um, part of it is you have the Royce Lewis's and the Edward Julians in the middle of your lineup instead of paying a uh, for a veteran there. But um, I, I think obviously the TV deal has an impact. Um, how could it not until you know how much money you're going to get from there? Um, but I also think part of it too, I, I, I feel like people also forget when you have record payrolls, um, a lot of teams do scale back eventually. You see, it, you know, the Padres scaled back, the Mets have scaled back. Um, there, there's a lot of teams this offseason who, when they spent heavy, they're, they're, they kind of reverse course. Um, over the past year or two. So I, I think the Twins kind of just fall into that camp as well. A couple more things for you, Bobby. One, um, they had Twins Fest last weekend. They did their whole caravan before that. I'm sure you were out at a bunch of the stuff. Like what's the, you know, if you're either hearing, hearing from fans or just the team, you know, the executives, what's the mood right now? What are they, what are you, what are they talking about when it's just kind of off the cuff or what do you hear from fans as, you know, hopes, dreams, things like that? Yeah, I'd say, from the fans, I, I feel like pitching's the the one thing that everyone keeps bringing up. Like, how are they going to be pitching as well as they did last year when you lose a Sonny Gray, when you lose a Kenta Maeda? Um, you know, that, that, that's a fair question. But, I mean, it's also those two weren't the end. You know, they the whole rotation did pretty well last year. I mean, they finished second in innings pitched, um, led the league in strikeouts. I mean, there was, there was a lot of guys who stepped up. They were fairly healthy, um, which obviously helped. Um, so I, I think that's a, that's a fair concern. But I also think... Um, you know, if Pablo Lopez takes another step forward, if Chris Paddock's who the Twins think he is, um, you know, it won't be as big of a hole as everyone thinks. Um, and from the Twins perspective, I, I, I sense a lot of optimism in terms of, you know, the, the pitching obviously carried the team last year. I feel like they think their hitting um, can take a huge step forward. Carlos Correa said he's healthy um, and, and made some tweaks to his swing that he thinks is really going to pay off. And if he looks anything like he did in the playoffs, um, you know, that's a big step. If Byron Buxton, if he get a healthy Byron Buxton. I know that's a big if, um, you know, for even just a hundred games. I mean, that that should help the offense. Royce Lewis only played 50 some games last year. Um, Edward Julian and Matt Walner weren't in the major leagues the entire year last year. Um, so I, I feel like there's a lot of optimism in terms of, you know, the offense had a good second half, um, but now they can do it for a full season and that can take some pressure off the pitching. Yeah. It feels like a weird mix of like kind of trepidation with expectations. Like they, they finally got this whole playoff thing taken care of and now people are like okay let's do more now let's do more and i don't i don't know if they're i think it's going to be a little bit of a wait and see and and kind of feeling out that they don't they're not they're not having the kind of off season where you're like man they're just crushing it and now they're going to be even better i think we're gonna have to wait and see a little bit yeah and i feel like i I heard uh one person from the twins say like i feel like we're at a better spot than we were entering last season um, you know, when Royce was hurt and uh, yeah. Buxton, you didn't know what he was going to, you're going to get out of him and Kirilov was hurt. Um, you know, and, and, you know, even in the rotation, like Pablo Lopez, everyone was questioning that trade. Sonny Gray wasn't Cy Young, Sonny, you know, Cy Young level Sonny Gray. So, I mean, I felt like um, the, the Twins official was like, I feel like we're in a lot better spot in terms of like, we know what our floor is. Our ceiling should be, you know, kind of the same thing as it was last year. Um, and so I think they feel like, you know, the, the base they have, um, is pretty much the base that carried them to the, you know, the second round of the postseason last year. Um, and, and, and 
you know, it, obviously they have to stay healthy. I, I feel like that was kind of the underrated thing last year is second half of the year. They were they were pretty healthy besides maybe the last weeks of the season when uh, Cray and Lewis went down within a couple of days of each other. But um, yeah, I, I just feel like overall as a, you know, hitting and pitching, they, they feel like they're in a good spot. Well, last thing, you mentioned Kirilov, who I almost forget about sometimes because he's been hard to kind of rely on with all of his injury problems. Where are they at with him right now? Yeah, he's hitting. Um, it's still a question of whether he'll be, you know, full go by the time spring training starts or if he'll be a little bit delayed. Um, he had that shoulder procedure in October. It was less invasive than everyone kind of feared. Um, you know, there was kind of worries that he might be out for an extended period and it ended up being did not end up being that. So um probably your starting first baseman if he's healthy enough, um, at least against right-handed pitching. And then uh, maybe if you sign a right-handed hitter, someone who can pair with him um, at first base. But, he, you know, when he was healthy, he showed some things last year, showed some opposite field power and um, obviously can hit for a high average. So, I mean, there's, there's some excitement in terms of what he could do if he can kind of put his wrist behind him, which he said it's farther in the back of his mind than it was, you know, kind of at any point previously. So, um, you know, that's at least encouraging that, you know, the wrist isn't something that he's dealing with on a daily basis. Indeed. And spring training's not that far away. You're going to be down in Florida in just a couple weeks. They'll get on the field. Feels like, you know, we're recording on a sunny 55 degree January uh, Wednesday afternoon. So they could play right now if they had to. They're not going to. They could play in Minneapolis right now if they had to. But uh, the, season will, the season will get here soon enough. Bobby Nightingale, appreciate it as always. We'll talk soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good stuff from Bobby. Good perspectives on the Twins. Um, I learned a lot. Hope you guys did too. Still wondering a little bit about are they missing an opportunity in 2024? And we're not going to know that until maybe the end of the season. And you can't judge this roster even right now. It's the first day of February. Um, Even with the Jorge Polanco trade, even with some of the moves they're trying to make right now, kind of just feels like they're not fully capitalizing on the momentum that they got last year. And it feels a little bit like, you remember 2019 when, you know, everything was great. They lost in the playoffs, but there were such high hopes. Then COVID hit. Things just kind of got derailed. It wasn't like they weren't trying still. They'd added Josh Donaldson that offseason. They were still trying to get better, but they lost a lot of momentum that year. Not so much by their own fault, but by circumstances. This year, you know the TV stuff. If that's being if that's being blamed for a lot of their, you know, financial decisions, if that's kind of wrecking a little bit of their momentum, I can you know I can see that. But that would be unfortunate. It just doesn't seem like they, you know, it feels like they could use one signature offseason move to get people to say, okay, yeah, this team won last year, but they're not getting complacent. They're trying to add to this. They're trying to get even better. They're not just trying to hold serve and make you know and hope that certain players take step forwards. I don't know. You're not going to know this for a while. I think Derek Falvey operates his best when he's kind of making these moves, not on the margins, but trying to like be patient, wait out the field, and make these kind of trades that have impact that you might not know right away. So maybe that's what the Polanco trade's going to be. Maybe there's two or three moves left, a right-handed bat, maybe another trade somewhere in there that, that's going to bolster this team in a way that I just don't see it. But I'm, I'm, I'm worried not so much about their ability to compete in the AL Central. I'm worried about the Twins' ability to kind of take that next step, given what they have put together so far, at least this offseason.
That'll do it for me today. Marcus Fuller joins me tomorrow. Talk Gophers men's basketball. Big stretch of games for them. Northwestern on Saturday. That's a very good team right now. That's an opportunity for the Gophers to get a good win, get themselves back to 500 in the conference. We'll talk about that team, some of the injuries they're battling, some of the guys that are stepping up, things of that nature. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. It's not going to be 55. It's going to be awfully nice. I am Michael Rand. Back at it again on Friday.